Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Well, good everyone. Welcome to Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. Uh, I'm your co-host, Phil Tarrant. I'm joined by my regular co-hosts and uh, they're both equal. Often one may be uh, more functional given any given day uh, than the other, but uh, I'm going to introduce them backwards this time around. Victor Kumo is already laughing from the Right Property Group and Steve Waters. I don't even know where you're going with that. Really? Dysfunctional? Dysfunctional. That's right. I'll take it. It's I dysfunctional. Think, I think what's, what's really happened is it's, it's, thrown him, it's thrown him that we've changed positions, right? So, Well, not really. It's dysfunctional because there's a nice segue into how dysfunctional the state of the world is right now in terms of our government and what's happening, Stephen. Oh, see, 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 that's What's that's happening good. That's right good. now in this great land called Australia? Is that a question? Well, you know, we're recording this. It's the middle of April. You're going to be tuning into this in about a couple of days' time. What's going on? This election stuff, I've been reading the paper recently, as, as you do as well, and uh, there's all this stuff about numbers and incorrect budgeting and modelling and forecasting when it comes to negative gearing. I don't think anyone knows what's going on. I saw the uh, shadow treasurer down at the press club in Canberra getting absolutely bollocking from the uh, from the journalist and he was defending his position. I don't know who to believe anymore. Well, it, was, it, was a great, it was a great answer. He, he answered it without answering it. He, he went all around. He's a politician. It. Well, they're very good at that. Mm. But there is some look. There is some concern around the market. There's concern around the budgetary figures. Look, where do you start with this? It's already been well documented and and reported on about the projections and how they're they're not quite accurate uh, mm. or potentially not not accurate. But I think if we just drill back and let's just see how that affects the average investor, will it affect them? How it will affect them? Uh, and p- potentially, should you actually change your whole strategy around potentially what could or could not happen? Right, let's have a chat about this because um, I'm sick of talking about this personally, but I think we're going to be talking about it for the next six weeks at least until uh, the election. And um, I think a lot longer than that. A lot, lot yeah. longer after. So elections, well, what do we know? Okay, we know elections been called, that we know. We know that the coalition government has handed out its budget, which it did two months ago. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, we know that he's now officially the uh, election camp- uh, campaigning period where everyone's out there and banging a drum and on their buses and planes, travelling the, the breadth of this land, talking about their policies. So we know a lot about this sort of stuff, right? Um, we know as property investors that negative gearing is, is going to be a, a key issue which is going to shape the way in which Australia votes in six weeks' time, call it. So I'm a, I'm a, a voter. Um, which way I vote is no one else's business and I'm completely neutral when it comes to uh, discussing this sort of stuff on a, on a podcast. But, you know, we've talked a lot about it. I think we'll talk about it today because I think everyone needs to know and and I know the uh, the, the good people that listen to uh, Investing Insights of the Right Property Group have probably got this in front of mind. But the way I frame this, Steve, is that I go, all right, well, it's all this stuff I do know, but none of it I, I really can control. And someone's going to say it's a democracy, you can vote, and you've got the right to vote. And yes, that's true. But, as a property investor, should I be changing the way in which I view my investment strategy based on what might happen come the middle of May when there's election? That's the question. That's I mean, what, let's deal that's, with that. That's a great question, but I short answer is no, because if, if you had the strategy right to begin with, well, then this is not so much business as usual, but it certainly isn't going to be a black and white polar opposite scenario where you should just pivot uh, and go in a total different direction. And, you know, As all good advisors will tell you that, 
the whole gearing scenario and, and, and tax minimization isn't the strategy. We've heard that a million times. But to be fair, the, for us, the reason that we target and invest in the price brackets we do is because potentially they give us a better yield than perhaps the more expensive properties. And that gives us survivability, the ability to pay our mortgages and then have a, a, a greater period of time without affecting our lifestyle. I, I, actually, you have thrown me because you guys have changed position in the studio. It's all, it's all a bit strange, but um, I'm not let, liking let, it. Just saying. <laughs> let, let's go back to one on one, Victor. Um, for for our listeners who have just found this podcast, and I think you must be under a rock if you haven't heard about negative gearing over the last sort of three four months uh, as we gear at lecture. You must be under a rock if you don't actually understand there's a fluctuations in the property market right now. But anyway, let's let's talk about negative gearing. And Steve just said negative gearing is not a strategy. Mm-hmm. We'll deal with that, right? But they'll completely agree with it. But what is negative gearing, Victor? Well, essentially, you're, you are claiming the loss against a property. So your, your expenses, such as your interest components, such as your depreciation, such as your repairs and maintenance, you're claiming against the income. So you're offsetting the income against the expenses or vice versa. And in doing so, provided you have already paid tax, so uh, if you're PAYG, you've had tax withheld, uh, you're claiming that back from the government. Now, that, that was a uh, and, and has been an um, uh, incentive, uh, if, you, if I can use that word, uh, by the government uh, for many, many moons. We did tinker with it back in the 80s. Uh, that didn't end quite well because it had a flow-on effect of not only impacting just the property investors, but also the general economy as well. And, and that is the, the, by far the biggest fear out there because we don't have any real clarity in terms of um, how and when they're going to bring this in, 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 in what form. They, they did say that um, this is the Labour government, that Labour Party, sorry, uh, that they um, uh, will look at it when they're in government uh, on the 1st of January to bring this in. 2020. Uh, 2020. Yeah. And also that uh, they would target more the multiple property holders in, in Australia. Uh, and, and therein lies the problem, right? Because when you look at property investors, about 1.8 million own one investment property. And they are your mum and dad investors. And I, and I say that in the, in the uh, most respectful way possible, because... Because what you have is uh, most people trying to actually uh, build towards their retirement so that they're not reliant on the government. Then the next band is only 400 uh, odd thousand people that own two properties. And when you fast, uh, fast track it to five to six properties, you're really only talking about 20,000 odd investors. So the reality is that in the way they're touting it, it's probably gonna impact directly your twenty odd thousand investors, uh, which is which is directly from the ATL stats that was just released um, for the 2016. Well, it's a very good period. memory, Victor, because I've got I've just pulled that spreadsheet up in front of me here, and uh, there is twenty thousand three hundred and fifty seven thousand Australians that own six or more properties, mm-hmm. which represents zero point zero eight percent of the population. Correct. Tiny, yeah, tiny, very amount. tiny. Yeah. Tiny so th- there's a lot of hoo-ha about this, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the reality is that the people that already own an investment property, um, they will continue with their negative gearing because it'll be great, most likely be grandfathered. Quarantined. Yeah. Quarantined. Yeah. People that are going to then invest between 
election results end 1st of January. Uh, likely that there may be a spike in the property market because everyone will start jumping in, trying to get in ahead of the change, which will then financially hurt a lot of people as well because those same properties will then slide backwards when the flow-on effect happens. When So let's say I've bought a property, I can negative gear it, but if I'm trying to sell it, let's say my circumstances change and I'm trying to sell it. Incentive isn't there. Yeah, the incentive yeah. isn't there. The aftermarket will drop yeah, and, and that's where the real pain will be mm. uh, for, for ne- people that are focusing on negative gearing. And, and we've been on record, Steve, and I have been on record to say that negative gearing in itself, the tax consequences, the tax side of property investing is just a, a, a moment in time. It, mm. It's not the strategy. The strategy is the wealth creation. The strategy is getting to the income of the property. And if you've set up the strategy correctly right from the beginning, this, as I've always been saying, tax is always a sovereign risk. So Government Vic, change. So, so you mentioned just how potentially this could be as big as everybody thinks it will be. So to give some context around that, and the, the, the Australian residential real estate market total value is $7.5 trillion. That's the collective value of that's, all the property. Yeah. Now, that's massive, yeah? Mm. This is just the residential. Residential. Now, the next closest thing to that is Australian superannuation at $2.7 trillion. Australian listed securities at $1.8 trillion. Now, there's daylight between Australian residential real estate and the next most valuable vehicle that there is. I truly, whilst we can talk about the numbers, while we can talk about the consequences and everything else that goes along with gearing, what hasn't really been talked about that every single person in Australia with zero exception, will be affected in one way, shape, or form. Mm. From the person folding paper clips in the factory or through to the person, people that you know, live on Wolseley Road, Point Piper, everyone will be touched by potential changes. And that's not talked about enough. And whether that be through increased rents as the years roll out, mm. uh, whether that be via a contraction in the value of people's properties. Now, forget property investors, even just the person who has an owner-occupied property and the consequences of that via the wealth effect and spending within the economy and so on and so forth. So I think this is actually larger than just the figures. This is about potentially pushing Australia into a into a recession. And, and, and this is what some of the commentators pe- Sorry, saying, people's right? understanding of a recession is, is also a little bit mm. you know, skewed as well. It's, it's not a depression. It's not a GFC. It's just two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And it's Whilst it sounds really, really bad, there are tools that the government have uh, and the banking systems have to perhaps arrest that, but this mm. certainly isn't going to help. Well, it comes back to the wealth. You're talking about the impact of the collective sort of economic ecosystem that every single person somewhere or another will be impacted. If owner-occupiers' uh, wealth in their properties decreases, that means they've got less equity, that's less equity they can use to refinance and use for other purpose or buy flat-screen TVs or buy new cars or, or whatever, right? You know, it's cheap debt in your mortgage compared to personal Correct. and this sort of stuff. So so the whole of the economy will be uh, impacted as a result of this. But, you know, to go back to our original comments, Bowen, uh, the shadow treasurer, seemed pretty confident in a commentary I saw coming out of him from the uh, National Press Club speech that we've got some of the smartest people in the land doing this modelling. That, yeah, that's, I, I that, saw that's, that. that that's yeah. where he's, he's, his basis is. The smartest people in Australia have done the modelling and therefore it is correct. Now, and I saw him backflip a little bit going, oh, it might not be 95, it might be 86, you know, was it the Grattan or Garten Institute? Yeah. So he goes, you know what, that's pretty much what it is. And I sort of went, oh, yeah. But do you know what he was – my opinion of that was he was just giving himself an out for potentially 12 months' time. Or right. it was, well, I relied upon the smartest people in the world and they 
they, yeah, they misinformed yeah. me. And he's got some smart people helping him out, right? They're smart people. You know, there's some very, very bright people. But there's been zero interaction with, with, with the property investors, with, with the housing industry. Mm. Like, really, like, you want to talk about the smartest people in the world. Maybe not the smartest people in the world, but certainly the people. Definitely that- not in this room. But- <laughs> <laughs> it, um- Present company excluded, of course. It, uh- <laughs> Sorry, but but, but the, the you know, as as some have pointed out, the numbers perhaps don't lie. But I think having an understanding of the numbers and how you actually came to those numbers to begin with yeah. is where the issue is, because you will have ten sets of eyes on something, and everyone will have a different opinion. Mm. Everyone and his is just one that happens to economic modeling, right? Things change, but uh, can I just pick up something that you said, Victor? And I think I hate that mo- term modeling. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really do because it's it, it's forecasting potentially the unforecastable. Yeah, it's hard, but you got to you need somewhere to start from, right? I believe you need a position. Yeah, but there's a you know, oh, I'm not going to get on that soapbox. No, here we go. Now, yeah. So, so what you said, Victor, and I think it's really important. We're talking about the second secondary market of mm-hmm. um, new build property, so. From what you said, the way I framed it is that if the negative gearing tax incentives are still connected with brand new, uh, properties. Brand new properties, that's cool. So it means that more people are going to be buying new because of the perceived benefits or outcomes mm-hmm. through negative gearing. What you're saying, though, is that no one will want to buy those properties on the secondary market because those benefits just aren't there, which means that you're going to have a whole bunch of people with properties that they can't sell, can't offload, can't realise the value in, and that's going to really slow down building and other sort of parts of the economy. Is that pretty much what you're getting yeah, at? Yeah, let's, let's yeah. play this out a little bit yeah. more, right? So so uh, let's say someone bought a brand new property and let's say it was 500000 mm. and with tax incentives, they're able to afford to hold on to it. Uh, their circumstances change and they have to sell. The only There's only two uh, parties that could buy it of him. One, who's earning a high enough income to afford the negative cash flow that property is going to bring. Or secondly, it could be a person that's looking purely for yield and therefore price point and, and, and maybe buying that property of him for, and I'm just making these numbers up, maybe buying this property of him for 400 to give himself perhaps a 6% yield when your interest rates are at four and a half, as an example. Right? So you've got these two very distinct buyers. The system that, that they're proposing to bring in is supposedly to help the battlers get into their first property, mm. right? But the reality of it is the, the aftermarket is going to tilt substantially in favour of someone that's on a high income, which is what they're trying to prevent, uh, so that they don't want to subsidise their fifth or sixth property uh, if, if I follow the rhetoric. But the reality is that that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to subsidise it by way of actually killing that market. Mm. Has anyone brought into this debate the fact that um, uh, Australia's property investors actually provide a key component of living to a lot of Australians, that is housing, right? Yeah, you know, I look at the portfolio that I have. Uh, they're there in, to use your terms, they're not really battler belts, but, mm-hmm. you know, just in like- Mortgage belts. Built mortgage belts, Australia, just Australia, Great. you know. If investors come out of the market because of these <clears throat> incentives are removed, is the government going to have to start paying and buying and building a lot more housing for, for Australians. Well, that's what event. they're trying to get out of right now. So mm. the whole government housing, housing commission model has, has not worked for them, whether it be from a cost of repairs and maintenance, mm. um, whether it be the way that they grouped everybody together. It just clearly hasn't worked and they're the first to admit that. If they don't want to do that because it's too expensive for them to operate, then who's going to supply the housing mm. is the question. You know, they're, perhaps they think that people are going to, become, instead of being renters, they're going to become owner-occupiers. 
uh, because things are more affordable. It just it's not people that can't get easy. mortgages though. That's well, that problem. was my next point, right? So it can be as cheap as it, yeah, cheap yeah. as you want it to be, or however cheap it is. But if you can't get a mortgage, you can't get a mortgage. Yeah. And this is the biggest problem with most people. They can't save. Uh, there's probably two things. Most people, if they work hard and they've got a regular income and PAYG, you probably get a mortgage, right? The issue is saving the deposit in order to get a mortgage, and that's a completely different thing as well. But yeah. well, what's your thoughts, Victor, on these uh, schemes? Because you know, an argument would be, well, we now have these schemes where we build affordable housing in there's areas, pockets within particular suburbs that property investors can buy. And you might be buying, you know, a two-bedroom apartment here versus a two-bedroom apartment next door might be $200,000 in difference, yep. uh, allowing you to to then facilitate this sort of stuff. What do you think of, of them as, as investments? Look um – this goes back to changing your strategy, it does, it right? Just, it yeah. does come back to changing strategies. And and if I if I um, uh, look at it from a historical point of view, uh, in the Paul Keating days when negative gearing was tinkered with, the very first thing that happened was that the rent started moving up, yeah. right? And they had brought that negative gearing, do away with negative gearing at that time to help the first-time buyers get into property. It was, it was the rhetoric back then. Mm. Um, but they couldn't save money because they had to pay more and more uh funds towards renting the property. So it had the opposite of the desired effect. And and certainly when there's change afoot, obviously there are opportunities around in terms of different schemes that come out, whether they're government incentive schemes or whether they are uh, things that, that uh, property investors get together and do creatively. So there will be some changes that will happen most likely uh, and, and schemes such as getting uh, low-cost housing and, and all of this, uh, those, those sort of things will, will become prevalent. But at the end of the day, the fundamentals are being tinkered with in terms of the general economy itself, uh, mm. which, is, which is very dangerous. And, and if you look, uh, look at it historically again, they did bring back the negative gearing after two and a half years. Uh, the very first thing that happened was all of that losses that was quarantined got claimed by the property investors pretty much in that same year. Yeah. And that Bro- pretty broke much the system. Yeah, mm-hmm. that broke the system. Can you just explain that dynamic of uh, rents increasing? So this is, I guess, basic supply and demand. Uh, I look at some of the properties I have out in Sydney and from yeah, rents have dropped from when I secured those mm-hmm. properties sort of five years ago or so, right? And mm. one of the reasons for that was that there's a whole bunch of other property investors buying in the same area. But I've, I've done great in a capital growth plagues I've bought really well um, with, with your guys' support, obviously. But there was a, a whole bunch of properties on the market, therefore there was less pressure, le- less up, upward pressure on rents, and therefore rents come right back, mm-hmm. right? So That's supply, though. This is supply, right? Yeah. So flip it on the other side, if you have less investors in the market because there is a removal of benefits around uh, or, or, or a change to tax policy, less investors means less properties. That means... Um, landlords can put the put the rents up because mm-hmm. traditionally people just go, ah, oh, it's too expensive. I'm going to move to the place next door. Exactly. But now they're not going to do it. So, so that it, that will naturally force quite quickly rents up because probably investors are going to go, I've got to sort my yield out because I'm not getting, getting the benefits. But mm-hmm. we're forgetting a major contributing factor here, and and that is new new dwelling starts mm-hmm. it, like that. People, but are they keep- reckon those numbers are skewed, right? They've been high recently. They are high, but they've come off like yeah. up to 25% yeah. new building starts. Now, admittedly, there is still stuff in the pipeline that's in the midst of construction. But once that stops, the new building starts and the DA approvals has, has just fallen through the floor. Mm. This will have a direct, clearly, but a direct outcome on supply because no one's building. And no one's building because they 
that no one's got the confidence to buy and they can't therefore can't get finance and we've got a broken lending system apparently as well. So this will just add fuel to the fire in terms of increasing rent supply. Admittedly, not across every state and territory of, of Australia, I believe, mm. or every suburb, but if you took Sydney as an example, which has probably had the biggest boom and it's probably come off the biggest in terms mm-hmm. as well and it's new start dwellings has also fallen the most as well. But if you just look at it geographically, and I think we spoke about this on the last podcast, we're bound by sea, mountains and national parks. We do have a limited supply of land and Sydney's mm. one of those only places that really do. There's still a lot left to build on though. There's still basin. a lot. Well, yeah. that depends if they change zoning. Yeah, true. Yeah, and this is a, yeah, that's another uh, spoke in the wheel, I suppose. Mm. But if the dwellings aren't completed, if they're not DA approved, if they're not constructed, then rents will go up. That's an overlay on top of what you were just talking about, right. Vic, as well. And let's not forget that, to get a DA approval, start turning dirt and have something to already. It's not an overnight. Right. It's not an overnight thing. And this is exactly no, no. what happened in the affordable corridors post GFC before. Okay, and but you have the, your your state government trying to make it harder for for planning and development, right? Because of some of the challenges you've had with Correct. another issue to this: the fact mm-hmm. that the uh, the quality of the developments which have been taking place, there is a lot of question around. And uh, around it's like Opal Towers brought it all to the fore. And I agree 100%. You know. And having, because we do this every day and we're fortunate enough to see so many thousands and thousands of properties every year, I've, I've noticed personally just in the last 14 years specifically, just the quality of construction has gone backwards mm. you know, at a rate. Yeah, of I knots. agree. It, it's, Absolutely. It I has. Can, there are some buildings that. That should have never have the, been approved. Well, I don't know how you can stand at the bottom, like walk up units as an example. You can stand at the outside the bottom floor, look up the external wall, and it's like a banana. Like you, you can't miss that. Yet that was still approved. So the quality of construction is another issue, and therefore the cost to repair it as well. So this goes back to so as a property investor, there's all this stuff going on, and we, we've spoken about four or five reasonably complicated and also in, interconnected um, sort of issues there. And I go, okay, what do, what do I do about this? Should I change my strategy as a result of it? Now, I, I, I step back a second and I think, you know what? If if rents go up, okay, I've got an established portfolio. It's there already. So let's say, say I'm not buying. If rents go up, it's not a bad thing, right? Because I get the benefits of increasing my yield play. Everything's grandfathered anyway, so I still get the benefits of, of negative gearing and have less investors in the market. So I could probably cherry pick better properties. And you're in a property market right now. We're talking about Sydney and Melbourne, which some people are starting to call is sort of towards the bottom. Mm. And you've also got noise come out of the lenders that their appetite for lending is starting Changing. to change a little bit. So I go, that's actually not a bad time to be a property investor. I don't need to do anything. My strategy is sound. I should just do more of what I'm doing right now and try and cherry pick those properties. Look, which I, right I, me. I agree. You know, one person's risk is another person's opportunity. Mm. And- there, this particular market, whilst we may have changes afoot, things don't change for me personally as an investor. I still stick to my own strategy, which is about growth and cash flow. And I say cash flow last because not because it's the most important, but perhaps in the next couple of years it will be. Mm. Uh, and I will look for value. So if I look at it from the from the opposite side, right, to say that, okay, I am an investor. I'm quite comfortable with the changes that are happening, right? I'm not not worried about the negative gearing because I can, instead of being able to afford four properties, I can afford to hold two properties. I would say bring it on. And the reason why I say bring it on is, is purely simple, right? If you, if you look at it from, from a viewpoint that, um, that it's going to come in, 
it'll hurt for the first two, maybe three years, and then normalcy will will set in because that that's what we'll get used to. Every time there's change, there's always this upheaval, and and, and the the wealth gets redistributed. It'll get redistributed to people that are prepared. It'll get redistributed to people that can afford to hold on. Those that can afford to hold on will then will then really um, benefit from the fruits of their labor, no pun intended, of getting that higher rental income. And the yields will significantly increase. So you only need to go back to the GFC. Uh, the the um, prices were coming back significantly. Loans were expensive to get into. And, and the rent started going up significantly. Uh, and we started to see your 7% and 8% yields in, in Sydney. Sydney correct. Right? And, and, and if this did uh, happen in terms of negative gearing being abolished, there's quite a strong chance that we would see that market again where it is um, man-made in terms of government man-made um, so that the market conditions become very much similar to just post-GFC where you've got high-yielding properties in metropolitan areas with uh, the potential for growth because then when the yields get high, people are willing to pay more money for it and that's that's when the growth really starts happening again. So if we get prepared for this, if we prepare our, our portfolio, if we prepare our psyche for this imminent change, like we've said all along, be cashed up for the opportunity. Be liquid. Mm, We've absolutely. said that for, for, for many, many years. I, I just think that whilst it will affect a lot of people and – It'll hurt a lot of people. It'll hurt, yeah. hurt a lot of people as well. If your strategy is short term, mm. well, then this could be an issue for you. That's right. Yeah. Uh, if your strategy is 15, 20 years as it should be, well, then this is, this is just potentially something else that you need to manage in terms of not just your psyche but your cash flow as well. Mm-hmm. And still preparing yourself for 10 years, for 15 years and that property because at the end of the day, it's a basic necessity of life, food and shelter. Mm. That's not going away. So if we fast forward 15 years, say even 20 years and we're the guys and girls sort of beating our chest going, geez, we were smart. Told you so. Back there in 20, 2019. What a great time. I wish we had that, that same period again because it was once in a generational opportunity, once in a lifetime opportunity. Whether or not it's going to hold true, I don't know, but I'm sure – you know, fortune favours the uh, the bold and the prepared, right? So, you know, to Victor's point, if you've actually got your stuff sorted out, you can probably do well in this market. So what? So 20 years' time, what are people going to be talking about what they did well in 2019, 2020, in this period of... God, here's, a, here's some modelling. Yeah, low, low interest, lowest interest rates yep. in many, 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 Ever. many years. Mm. A government state of flux, uh, tax policy in a state of flux, property markets in a state of flux, by and large, reasonably strong and confident Australian economy. You know, it's, the economy is not stuffed by any means, right? It's 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 reasonably stable. Increasing what, population. Increasing population. Lots of infrastructure going. Lots in. of infrastructure. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, just go anywhere now. Mm. There's buildings anywhere. It's just it's 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 mad. So stuff's happening. So what what are the two or three things that people have got absolutely right, Victor, when they look forward twenty years? Well, it, it comes back to comes back to the asset selection itself in mm. where you're buying, what you're buying, and what you're buying for, right? So, is it uh, in in today's market? Is it to capitalize on the tax incentives that is there right now, or is it actually to forward uh, forward think it and go into true wealth creation, go into true cash flow management, knowing that you're investing 
with uh, the right metrics where you're not taking uh, into account the tax benefits because that could change overnight. Even if it does not change in this election, it could be that the next election, liberals come up and say, you know what, we're going to do away with the negative gearing. That can happen. It's a sovereign risk. Mm. So we should always be investing based on purely on location, on what the property can do for us and what plans we have for that property. All right, let's talk about locations then, Stephen. I know you're going to give me absolutely nothing, but based on what Victor has said, these um, the, the current state of play for the objective of creating long-term wealth through property, through good asset selection, which uh, generates a reasonable yield for you to hold property over the long term, irrespective of what the government does to tax policy, where should you be buying? Where the majority of the population lives and where they're going to live, and that might be based on infrastructure as well. So, you, you, so that's a really simple way, sophisticated but simple way to look at it. Buy where people want to live. Yeah. I mean, and I think this is the problem. Yeah. People Don't make over, it too complicated. <laughs> yeah, people tend to overcomplicate things and, and you, know, you can sound really smart being pessimistic or you can just break it down to its basics and, mm. and that is as basic as it gets. Buy where people are going to live now and in mm. the future, where people are spending money to make people's life more livable. And where the, the, work, they want to where the work is. And where the work is. Yeah, it's a, let's, let's explore that comment a bit more, right? Why would we want to buy there? Uh, the, the main thing is the liquidity. Liquidity in terms of banks are willing to lend money there mm. because there are people there. There's so infrastructure. Not a lot of restrictions. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is liquidity in terms of rentals because people are moving into that area because there's jobs. And if you ever did want to sell that property, people want to live in that area, so people will buy those properties off you. So you, you, you're addressing the liquidity of the property. Obviously, you've got to buy it. You know, make sure you're buying a house in an area that's predominantly houses, uh, buy a unit in areas that are predominantly units because that's what people want in there. So we need we addressing that end play right in the beginning to make sure that whatever we're getting into, we can actually get out of as well. So this is a big part of your own personal investment philosophy, Victor, and also the way in which you act as a professional recommending other strains on how to invest, right? Yeah, this, absolutely. This is br- 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 brass tax, that's what it is. Yes, very easy to get in, substantially harder to get out of property. So you've got to look at how you're going to get out of it first. Mm. I think we also need to understand though that not everybody has the same risk profile and not everybody has the same income. Mm. Uh, and so people should Im- invest accordingly as well. Not everybody's going to in- invest in Point Piper or, mm-hmm. or, or Turak, but it, the, for us, our strategy is around affordability because it lets us sleep at night. It puts up some mitigation or defence, if you will, around our position. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's the the greatest and the biggest slice of the market in terms of people where they want to live because so, the infrastructure's there. Yeah. So this conversation kicked off with um, all this stuff's going on. Should I change my strategy? Right. No. How long? Have I, I've probably known you guys for seven years. Seven. seven? Years, seven no, maybe eight years now. Eight years. And yeah. and and by and large, your strategy hasn't deviated. You know, it might have like left or right a degree either side of it but mm. you know if you think about your strategies linear li- linear strategy um hasn't changed you know, all the time i've known you because this is probably version or cycle three of of a major mm-hmm. economy shift and things just keep repeating itself potential admittedly the triggers are quite often different yeah but the outcomes are usually the same. So if you guys are sitting there having a beer and completely off the record just talking about stuff, you know, is is there anything – have you ever sort of sat there and going, oh, maybe this isn't right, maybe the strategy isn't sound, maybe we need to realign, readjust, or is it just – it just is and, and, and you haven't – When, when we there, go into certain any, areas – Are there any pigeons involved in this conversation? No, no, not no. this time not around. Not this time around. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> just, 
tune into the last podcast. But it's, I reckon it's probably more like you guys drinking some fine Chateau Lafitte sort of uh, in a poshest restaurant in town, smoking no. your smoking your cigars. And no, like, yeah. <laughs> no, not likely. Too tight for that. Um, look, do we have that conversation when we're researching an area and we're spending a lot of time on the ground? Sometimes we'll just say, you know what, the data points us in this direction as we've talked about before, but we still think it's a ways off and we pull the pin and we're out. All right. So, but it's never about the strategy. It's about the area. About the area. It's about the location, about the individual assets, I guess. Yeah, we're yeah. confident in our strategy and, and that's and we're not saying our strategy is the only strategy. It just suits mm. us. Let's just sleep at night. That's fine. And houses, units in this current market, does it matter? Doesn't really uh, matter. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, if it was Sydney, I'd say no. Yeah, houses. Um, yeah, certainly houses in, in Sydney. And, and I think units always have a, a, a time and a place because uh, they're usually around better yield. Uh, they're, based, they're, they're usually located on better infrastructure. So they're on the... Uh, they're on the stations, they're on the shops, they're in the transport hubs, and they certainly appeal to a certain demographic. But uh, in today's market, I would say no to land content first. Yeah, land, land content. content. Yeah. But ha- having said that, if we, if we were to get a unit 50% of its price, oh, well, of well, I'm into jump it. on it. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it was in the right place. Yeah. And you asked a question earlier on of which I kind of dodged about you know, where, and I just said you know, wherever the population is going to be. And, and you also mentioned something about um, some people are calling Sydney and potentially Melbourne at the bottom mm. uh, and you know, perhaps going sideways or even having a small uplift. I think we'll probably will see that if Labor get in, just as Victor mentioned earlier on. It could on. be a dead cat bounce though. You know, oh, well, it will be. It will be. Yeah. But I still think some of these areas, including Brisbane, including WA, including Sydney and, mm. and what have you, that in between all the, the nonsense is some pretty good value. Yeah, doesn't mean across the board. We mentioned one piece of good value last podcast and we've got a few more since then. I just think it comes down to people's capital, mm. how they're starting, their household budgets, what uh, what cash flow have they got left over at the end of the week, and that should point them in the right direction. I think also, you know, with all this uncertainty right now, a lot of people might be sitting in the wings. I think about my own personal circumstances and I guess the philosophy, philosophy that we probably both share, all of us share when it comes to investing. You, you invest when you can invest mm-hmm. uh, because you're never, ever going to get the perfect climate uh, which ticks all your boxes. So I'm currently in the process of, of buying in the city market now. Am I buying, you know, when there's still some 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 negative growth in there? Maybe and know. sentiment, but there's a purpose. There's a purpose, and there's a, there, there's a reason for that property to join your portfolio, and, and that's the way it is. Yeah, and over time, it's going to be a good good performer. I'll um, when I buy it, I'll I might share where it is. So. Uh, I don't want everyone buying out that area. Oh, he he wants stuff. to perpetuate the market. <laughs> Phil Tarrant bought in. Yeah. Oh, I actually want to buy more out that way first. But, hey, just a real specific stuff um, before we move on to our question of the month. Talk about infrastructure growth and all this sort of stuff. I, I, I was out there the other day and it's where you're, you're – you're, Norwest. Oh, the, yep. the Norwest with the train station. Tra- is the train working yet? No. no, no they're, 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 they're doing testing. Stuff, it. Right, yeah, right. They're, they're testing it. So have you seen any difference? Because that's a huge – like that, that whole thoroughfare of oh, – it's probably from – from sort of Castle Hill way right out through Rouse Hill, there's like, you know, probably three or four new suburbs getting built really Mm. or or new town centres and stuff or supplementing it. Um, What do you reckon out there? you reckon like over time it's going to be a a, a real boon or is it going to be? Over time it will be for sure, but it's already had its moment in the sun Mm. Uh, during the the boom we've just had. It had tremendous growth. A lot of the house and land package opened up because it's some of the last vacant land really in the Sydney corridor. And so it, it went very, very well, grew a mm. lot. Also on the back of the infrastructure, but it's also 
got one of the highest vacancy rates now yeah, as, as the market comes back, and it's had some pretty big Heaps drops. Heaps of units getting built. Yeah, uh, it's not a unit. Yeah, it's not a unit market. I, I just think that's crazy town planning. Hey, they're building so many units. Yeah. So, uh, if you're driving west on the left hand side, it's Windsor Road, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, there's like huge blocks of. I don't know, mm. Probably five hundred units. Yeah, it's going. it's wrong. You know, eventually that will infill, mm. uh, and it'll be the norm. But uh, I don't see that for the next ten or fifteen years. But I think it's a great opportunity. Not so much now. Perhaps if the perfect storm and all the ingredients align, mm-hmm. well, you know, then as a value investor, you'd, you'd certainly entertain it. Well, if you, if you look at infrastructure as such, right, and and this is a really good example: train stations going in, mm. you know, vast amounts of housing land packages being opened up, offices going up, and all that. When you look at the, the, the average investor out there, they will either jump in when that's announced or they'll they'll start filtering in once it's totally complete Yeah. Uh, because they want to see tangibility, right? And usually during the construction phase, people tend to forget about these areas because another news item breaks out and, and, and they're focusing on that. So mm. what I call the the um, you know the shiny syndromes or whatever makes most noise, they, they, they um, adjust to that. Uh, the importance with uh, following infrastructure is to make sure that it has actually started before you start jumping into that area. Yeah. But then don't leave it too late. Most people want it to be complete to see how the area is going to perform before they jump in. Address the fundamentals. Certainly make sure that the infrastructure works have actually started yeah. and, and Badger is cre- does come That's to a mind. great example. Yeah. M7, M5 in mm. Sydney was a great example too. People jumped in when it was announced yep. and then did nothing until 10, it was finished. 20 years. Yeah. yeah. It, um, and Badger, as you say, Badger's Creek is a great example of that mm. as well. Watch the, the next run when they start turning dirt. Yeah. Cool. All right. So uh, question of the month uh, is from um, Zed. Zed, how are you going? I, what, you've asked me not to use your last name, so happy to do so. Um uh, I'll paraphrase this, uh, Steve. I might direct this one. It's a renovation question. So Zed's asking, what should be square metre budget for doing a renovation in the city market? Does this thing even exist? Even no. I, look, I know there's there's a lot of- It's like a formula that some people use. Yeah, right? there are a lot yeah. of formulas out there. I, I just don't buy into that because every property is quite unique and, and you're looking at the outcome, not so much the square re- metre rate. So if I'm looking to increase cash flow, I might be doing something completely different than I'm, I'm trying to improve capital. Mm. Uh, and if work needs to be done, it needs to be done, even from a repair and maintenance point of view. Uh, there's also another formula there that's saying you should get three times three times, three times your, your yeah. dollar. It doesn't quite work. It, do- it doesn't work if, for, for me at all. And, he, and here's actually a really good example on one of my own personal properties in Sydney. That whereabouts? <laughs> Next door to you, you just don't know it. Really? No, no, no. It's in Tregear. Okay. Uh, and the the I've had that property since ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, something like that. Um, purchased for ninety five thousand, and it's done all right. Clearly. But it's also a bit tired now and the rent's quite low. Mm. Uh, and I made a conscious decision to keep it low rather than spend my capital where I could deploy deploy elsewhere. Because no matter what I do to this property in today's market, there's a certain ceiling on what it will achieve for rent. So my my return on investment in terms of the capital spent to improve it is just, is just not there. It's far more economical for me and, and wiser to keep it in its current condition safe and take the lower rent and deploy capital elsewhere. So steer clear of formulas. So how do you work it out work. then? Like, how, do you, how do you work, Vic? How do you work out how much money they spend on the renovation? I guess it's, is it for making a happier tenant or is it a capital yeah, growth could, base? Probably you, have to, you have to work yeah. out what you're trying to achieve to begin with. Right? Mm. Are, you, are you trying to boost up your equity, in which case it may be a different renovation? Are you trying to increase your cash flow? 
which is a different type of renovation. Or are you trying to just keep your tenant? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so give it a good, good. So you speak to your property manager and go, oh, look, you know, what's the average rent? So they go, it's 400 bucks, and you're getting 350 to say, what do I need to do to get 400 bucks? Mm hmm. A week is that a good? Yeah, that's a good starting point. Yeah, uh, and then then obviously you've got to make a decision. You know, by spending, let's say you had to spend fifty thousand to get your fifty dollars a week extra. That's a, long uh, time that's a lot of time. Uh, also, a lot of downtime as well. But do you uh, ask the then the um, the sales agent to say, if I spend fifty grand by doing this, what's going to be the what's its worth? Yeah, these are yeah. all the, they're they're smart questions that mm. you should ask. But that doesn't come back down to the formula. So, so what's our recommendation for Z then? Just do some research. Don't worry about a square meter rate. Don't use formulas. Don't use yeah. Do the research on what the end result's going to be for you. Yeah. Firstly, secondly, is it necessary? And thirdly, who are you catering for? So renovating just for renovating sake, because you like doing renovations. Not good reason to renovate. No, not at all. Mm. Not at all. And we know you love renovating. Well, I was only talking about this the other day. I've still got a thousand kitchens and more tiles. <laughs> I can. I could probably go and uh, tile. I don't know. I'm trying to think some of that's retired really well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just a headache now. I could, I could have one out at Trigear. I could help really? you out. I'll yeah. sell you some tiles. I don't want to – I'm going to help you out, oh. charge you for taking them out of your shed really? storage. That's the way it works. Anyway, maybe that's what I can use uh, this podcast for is uh, the eBay of uh, renovation material. <laughs> <laughs> East or Tarrant. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to have to wind up. Uh, Victor, what do we do if you need some more information about uh, what's going on in the world today? Sure. Uh, if you if you wanted to send us a question or wanted to reach out to us directly, questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. Go to our website. There's a whole heap of information there and lots of different topics where we've written on. Mm. Um, uh, also, you can reach out on our social media. Yeah, there's pages. eleven. There's eleven pages of mm-hmm. blogs, videos, podcasts. Yeah. So there's is it good stuff, of- or is it just you guys? We always put out good stuff. Though. I can't believe you just said that. I don't know. You're involved, so it must be rubbish. Yeah, but probably. <laughs> I might go and do an assessment of it all and see. But you've never asked me to write for you for for the uh, the, the right property group blog. Not that I would probably do it, but crickets. <laughs> crickets. Yeah, <laughs> right. Obviously, not that important. Anyway, now thanks for your time, guys. Really Thank enjoyed you. it. And um, uh, next time we get together will be what is it? April now. So post election. Yes, is that correct? That's correct. Jeez, that'll be interesting. We'll probably record, but you know, we'll probably record the the week after the election. So, mm. wow. So, so I, 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 this is it's yeah. Weird, whilst it's a little it? bit, it is a bit weird and it's a little bit sad, but I, I just think this is exciting times. I, I don't mm. know why. I just I like it. How do you keep connected with all this stuff? Just read, read the papers. You reckon? Make no. Sure what's going on. Stay away from it. Yeah, well, it depends on which paper you read. Everyone's got an agenda, right? True. So bias. Everyone's got bias. You know, bias agenda. Bias. Same, same. But I, I just think, yeah, perhaps, yeah, and certainly not plugging you, but I will. But mm. like, just smart property investment. Like, it's at least it's informed information rather than speculation. Perhaps. I'd like the things. It depends on the quality of guests I get in. But uh, well, we haven't See, had that, you guys. I, I, I just <laughs> gave him a compliment, and he slammed me. But, 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 but you know, talking about this, people worried about the strategy and whether it's right. You guys are happy to feel some calls? Absolutely, hundred like percent. All right, good. No worries. I hope you uh, enjoyed that, everyone. Remember, uh, we'll be back again next month for investing insights with the right property group. We'll see you then. Bye bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.